When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, who is the founder and director of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and the founder of Dr. Roseanne & Associates, based in Connecticut. She is also the author of a number of books. She has written Brain Under Attack and the Teletherapy Toolkit, um, and In talking to her, I learned that during the pandemic, she has written four books. And I, at the end, asked her her secret for being so organized. And I don't know. I just feel like she she has all these great ideas and then she does them. How does that happen? Um, But I love talking to her. She has a program that focuses on neurofeedback with clients of all different types and Honestly, I did not know as much as I should. I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I didn't know as much about neurofeedback. And now I'm very determined to learn more. So it was a good conversation. And she got me excited about learning more about something I don't know that much about. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much, Dr. Roseanne, for joining me on The Family Brain today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited, too, because I I know I have listeners who probably want to learn more about what you offer, and I want to learn more about it. I'm a therapist, but I don't, I don't know as much about what you offer as I would like to. But I guess before we get to all that, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you got to be interested in psychology in general. What, what brought you to this field? Yeah. So, um, I, it truly has been a calling for me to be in mental health and this year, 2021 will be my 30th year in mental health. And, you know, how I became interested is when I was a young child, I was probably about five. Um, my mom's friend asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, a psychiatrist, I didn't even know what a mental health provider was somehow that came into my consciousness. Um, and it was just something I always wanted to do. You know, I grew up always as that friend that people would talk to, um, 
And I really did never really consider another career. It was just something that I really, truly feel like I was guided to do. That's pretty incredible that, I mean, I think I said, I wanted to be a hairdresser because that was the only profession I really saw. You know, a lot of times you're like drawing from what you've seen, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and like, again, I, I didn't have a background in mental health. It was sort of just put into me, but I also was raised by my Italian immigrant entrepreneur parents, um, to have no limits. Um, and you know, they were the kind of parents, if you were like, you know, I want to be a a skier and a model, and I want to live in a $3 million beach house. They'd be like, okay, sounds great. How are you going to do it? You know what I mean? Like they were kind of like that, you know, when you're a kid and you have seven things that you, I love that. Yeah. I like, I like to tell my kids, okay, well, I want to decorate my room, whatever you do. Like I'm going to get a little piece of the action. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about, um, so you were interested in psychology. How did you end up focusing more on this neurofeedback and and really the specialty aspect that you have. So your clinic, maybe talk a little bit first about your clinic and what you really focus on, because it's a little bit different than what most people would probably have in their mind for going to get support from a therapist or psychologist. Um, And I should say that I started out, so, you know, I'm an integrative mental health professional who really, I work with all ages, but my, really my specialty is with kids. And I like to say I'm on a mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health and really trying to work on that on a national and a global level, um, which is why I do so many podcasts and media and, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews and because people listen and I'm a huge podcast fan. I I listen to a podcast almost every day. Um, Sometimes I binge listen like everybody else. Um, And I just, it's a great way to get cutting edge information. So, you know, I um, have been working holistically in mental health right from the get-go for 30 years because of my upbringing that food was medicine. And when I started working in the field in the early 90s, um, you know, the standard of care was different. Uh, The hospitalizations for longer periods of time were still occurring. So, you know, if somebody were to be on a medication, which wasn't as common as today. um, So if somebody had an issue, typically they went to therapy first, then they did medication only after therapy failing, right? Um, And so, and even with that, often, you know, you would go to the hospital until you were regulated until the medications were sort of sorted out. And um, so right away when I, in the field of mental health, I realized that, you know, people didn't get better Um, and they would go and they would go from provider to provider. And, um, you know, there was a lot of complexities. And so I'm always just been somebody who's, you know, full out when I do something, I go deep on it. And, you know, I quickly got known, you know, once I got, you know, certified and licensed and all other stuff as somebody who worked with complex cases. And uh, because of that, you have to start thinking outside of the box because standard treatments at that time just didn't work. And today, we know that really the same things that have been done for many, many years are still ineffectively working today. Um, But, and so I, over time, I developed the center. I was a one, you know, person working on my own and I developed the center where people fly in. Um, And that's, you know, my center, Dr. Roseanne Associates. And 
we, you know, work with people who struggle with what used to be kind of rare, complex, layered issues. But today, you know, lots of specialty with pans and pandas and OCD and, um, you know, even trauma. We did a lot of work with trauma at Sandy Hook. Um, and, you know, today's kids issues of all ages just aren't as simple. I don't really get a case of just straight old anxiety or straight old ADHD. Typically there's multiple things like there's ADHD and psoriasis and um, bowel issues and, you know, eyelash pulling, you know, and, and um, so when you are faced with that, you really have to take a different approach. And the approach that I took was scientific. Um, you know, every single thing that we do at our center and my whole work is based on science. So we use neuroscience to guide all of our interventions, but any type of holistic therapy, including neurofeedback, you know, has a ton of science behind it. And so it didn't really take a lot of looking even back in the 90s, when I had to go look at, you know, the internet was there, but the research wasn't on the internet like it is today. You had to go to the library and kind of sit in the microfiche and look at stuff. Um, we so, just watched Wonder Woman and they had a thing. It, have you seen that? The new Wonder Woman movie? They were watching it last night in my house, but Dr. Rowe was working. So oh, okay. uh, yeah. They had microfiche. And so we were explaining that to our children. And it's just, it it's fun to watch. Even it didn't get the best reviews, but it's fun to watch because it's set in that time. And it's yeah. like this flashback after flashback of all these different things. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I mean, it's such a great time. You know what I mean? But um, in that crossover time for us, of like, cause in the last 20 years, our technology is just so rapidly advanced. I mean, I never go to a library and be able to do all my research right from my computer now. So, um, so, you know, I just turned to, you know, uh, these types of treatments and how I got involved in neurofeedback was because of a boy named Alec and he, that was probably in the early 2000s and he is an adult now and he's amazing and he's totally, I don't want to say normal, but he's, he's beyond normal. He's wonderful. And he came to me and he had the worst case of ADHD I'd ever seen in my life and that I still had ever seen to this day. And, and I had worked with some rough cases. Like I had worked in psych hospitals and addicts and, you know, in really impoverished areas and schools, you know, everywhere you could think of. And this boy, Alec, when I would go and see him, if you could visualize it, it looked like he was having seizures at his desk and he could produce no work. Yet you could tell when you spoke to him, he was like exceptionally bright. And so he came to me and I wound up doing assessment with him because I'm a certified school psychologist. And he had almost like a near perfect IQ uh, how I got that IQ was <laughs> that needs a book in itself because I had to really think on my feet and be entertaining and keep his attention. Um, anyway, he tried ADD meds because that's what he was diagnosed. He probably would have been diagnosed within a year or two of being on the autistic spectrum. And he um, he had cardiac problems as a result of being on ADD meds. And his mom, you know, they had to take him off. And his mom called me one day and was like, hey, Roseanne, we're going to try this neurofeedback. And I said, do it. It's totally evidence-based. Um, thousands of research studies go for it. So she did. And then I saw him out in town like eight or nine months later. And he came up to me and put his hand out and said, hey, Dr. Rowe, um, 
how you doing? And he looked me in the eye and I turned to his mother and said an expletive and said, um, like, what do you, what do you got this kid on? Mm -hmm. And she was like, that's neurofeedback. And I was like, what? And that just changed my world. And, um, you know, fast forward, he wind up, um, doing an internship with me because he graduated high school at 16 and, you know, really got to spend months with him and see what he was like. And just to hear what it, what his experience was. And he wound up doing a presentation for a group of parents. And one of the moms said, like, when did you notice a difference with neurofeedback? Like what happened? And he said in the first week and what was happening to him, he was having so many thoughts come in all at once that he couldn't slow down to connect. And so he said the first thing that happened was that the neurofeedback allowed him to process one thought at a time. And so he, he could connect and like really truly as an adult, he's, you know, he was so extremely hyper. He's like the exact opposite. It's like, it's like he's in a Zen yoga move all the time. He's pretty darn cool. And, you know, he's fully an adult today and um, happy and um, doing really, you know, doing well. What does that mean? Like, you know, he's in a great relationship. He's, um, you know, working and doing, you know, finished college and all that other stuff. I mean, not just finished college, he rocked college. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, it just, he really put me on a different path because even though I already was teaching parents, you know, you can reduce and reverse mental health symptoms with natural therapies like food and nutrition um, and nutrients and exercise, this really is a different treatment. You are actually rewiring the brain. You're teaching the brain to go into a healthy rhythm and stay there. And it's applicable to things like you know, OCD and ADD and anxiety. I do a lot of concussion work and birth trauma work um, and a lot of trauma, just emotional trauma too. So it's a a question. I was looking this up and I couldn't really get a straight answer. Is EMDR a form of neurofeedback or is it different? No, EMDR is a type of psychotherapy and EMDR is different. It's a psychological, it's a, it's a technique where, um, and I like EMDR. I think mm-hmm. EMDR is great. Uh, and I believe that I say this all the time. There's many ways to skin a cat and EMDR, EFT, neurofeedback. What do they do? They regulate the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So, um, no learning is going to occur in therapy. If your nervous system is hyperstimulated, it's your biology or your brain is to shut off your frontal lobes. Um, so you're not going to be able to think clearly and you're not going to be able to act. So if you're stress activated, which hello, pretty much everybody is, <laughs> we're in a pandemic. Oh um, so, uh, but so EMDR, they're not hundred percent sure the neurobiology of EMDR, but what they believe is it changes the blood flow in the frontal lobes. Um, but you know, from a, from understanding the brain, the way EMDR does is it stops repetitive looping the same way that EFT does. Okay. So it's a great technique. Some people, and just like any other type of technique, some people do incredibly well with it. Some people don't, but I think the majority of people, you know, clinically what we know on research is the majority of people do well with EMDR. What, um, how would you describe neurofeedback in general? Like I was watching a video where you described it to people. And I think that this is a part that it's not that the wires are putting new information into the brain, but yeah. So really, really simply. So people think when you're, you know, neurofeedback, 
it's, it's going to start with some kind of assessment. So I do a QEG brain map and it gives us a beautiful visual representation of the brain. And you're able to see like, oh, this kid has ADHD. Oh, this person has OCD. It's very diagnostic. Um, or sometimes you do like with my remote clients, we measure at certain sites. And so you can do averages and you, you get a sense of, uh, you can get some clear, FDA even allows you to do um, an average to use as a diagnosis for ADHD. It's that on point. So it starts with some kind of assessment to know what the heck is going on with the brain. You're not just randomly guessing, which is the standard of care in mental health, right? And, um, and then what happens with neurofeedback is you're hooked up to equipment and the equipment is nothing is coming through these wires. The equipment provides reinforcement so that your brain knows it's changing in the areas and the frequencies that it's supposed to. So really simplistically, hook to a computer. I have determined, okay, Megan, you're going to reduce the stress brainwave, okay? And increase your focus brainwave because who doesn't want that, right? And so your brain will get reinforcement when it does that. And in two to three seconds from the first time you're hooked up, your brain will say, oh, I get this movie to play. I get these dinging. I get these points. If I push down this delta and I increase this beta, oh, I can do that. And at two to three seconds, it just does it. So it's like hopping on a treadmill. You just hop on and your legs start moving. And in the same way you want to build the muscle, it's going to take time for your brain to say like, oh, you always want me to be relaxed and focused. Mm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And you just, you do it over time. So neurofeedback, you're getting reinforced to produce a healthy combination of brain waves. It happens automatically. The subconscious just does it. You don't have to think about it. As long as your eyes are open, it's going to happen. That's the cool part about it because your subconscious is in charge. That's why it's so powerful. And then it requires a frequency, like at least a couple times a week. Um, and most people are doing 40 or so sessions. 40 or so sessions with EEG neurofeedback and EEG neurofeedback actually changes the functions in specific regions. There's different kinds of neurofeedback. I don't want to get all technical. They're all good. Um, but the other neurofeedbacks are more just calming the nervous system where EEG changes specific areas like, oh, you had a head injury in your temporal, you know, your uh, right temporal, and we're going to, uh, improve that area, the functionality in that area. Um, you can do that with EEG, but you couldn't do it with a different kind. Okay. So when you, when you get new clients, I'm guessing you interact with a population that is often very, um, defeated, feeling a little bit defeated by the typical care hopeless. Yes. Yeah. So how do people often find out about you and, and is there a way to integrate this kind of care earlier in the process where people don't have to suffer and jump through so many hoops Uh, so long? A hundred percent, Megan. So, um, and so I tell everybody who comes to me, it's going to be okay. Um, and I, my next book, which comes out April 27th is called, it's going to be okay. And I have the trademark for it's going to be okay. And which also (laughs) we have a lot of cool swag, like this coffee mug, Um, there'll be some wine glasses too, moms. 
And um, not that I'm promoting that. I have chocolate too. And so, you know, people come in feeling, I mean, you know, I'm a special needs mom and I was, I was talking to another special needs mom this morning and it, and it's a world that unless you're in it, you can't understand the level of like waking up at 3am, you know, like what's going to happen to my kid today on the school bus or what's going to happen with this. It's, it's a different world. Um, and, and there's certainly blessings no matter where you are in the world. And, um, but it's hard. And so what happens to parents is they go from provider to provider to provider to provider. And not to say that, you know, therapy, talk therapy is bad, but talk therapy is ineffective from a neuroscience perspective when our nervous system is overactivated. So we require, it's not always neurofeedback. There's biofeedback, there's meditation, there's yoga. And, you know, in my book, it's going to be okay. It's the culmination of my 30 years of work. And it breaks down all the steps that parents can take. And truly almost everything is that things that parents can do on their own. And we need to teach people that they absolutely can impact their child's mental and physical health. And these are very doable things. Do they require some lifestyle changes and consistency and persistence? Definitely. You know, you can't just pop a pill because that's the other part of this is there's this false belief that there is a medication that fix something. So, um, an ADHD is a perfect example that people put their kids on meds and they get really disappointed. Um, if the meds don't cause side effects, which 99.7% of the time you're going to have at least one of the three top, you know, you're going to have the three top side effects are, uh, food restricting, you know, appetite, irritability, and personality changes. So you're going to have one of those 99.7% of the times, and then the long list of other things, but they get angry because their behavior doesn't change. And it's, you can't just give somebody something that's going to make them alert and then expect them to do something different because they've been missing out for, if it's their 10 years old, 10 years, you know, of instruction on, you know, how to, um, hang up your, (laughs) your book bag when you get off the bus and, you know, uh, put your, you know, put your stuff away in your room or, you know, all those other things. And that's where therapy comes in. That's where therapy is the learning, right? So we, we have this misnomer about what therapy is and that it's, to sit there and complain about stuff. No, therapy is the place to learn. Um, if it's done right. Um, and you know, so it, it is definitely, you know, the work that, that I, that I do in terms of, you know, getting the nervous system regulated is there's such healthy ways to do it. And parents very much can be in control of that. And my big mission is for parents not to be so defeated and scared and that there's so much they can do it if they only know. Um, and that's what this book is about. And, you know, it has like a bazillion pages. I know it's at least 40 pages of, uh, citations. Um, so there's tons of research, you know, to substantiate like the efficacy of vitamin D in mood disorders, you know, and things like that. And parents are like, geez, Louise, when they get to me, they're always like, why didn't I know this? And I, I have to apologize because this is common information. This is not, you know, something that we, you know, even neurofeedback, it's been around 50 years, 50 years. This is not a new treatment, you know? Why do you think that it's not as known as it could be? 
Um, I think there's a lot of reasons. I don't want to be, you know, the conspiracy theorist. Um, there's a I was lot. Let you say it instead of me. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, the big reason is pharma. You know, we know in 1973 when they were doing the initial research studies uh, with neurofeedback against medication for substance abuse. Um, and the protocol for substance abuse to reduce cravings, which has been replicated hundreds of times, uh, will reduce neurofeedback, will reduce substance abuse, uh, substance cravings by 60 to 100% in 20 sessions of neurofeedback. Wow. So when that happened in the day five of the, of the, of the initial <laughs> um, research study, Pharma came in and said, get it out or we're not going to fund your hospital anymore. And that was the end of that. Hmm. That was 1973. So that's one part of it. The other part of it, it's very, very complex to learn. Yeah. So when I took this on and, you know, you know, hello, I'm a smart person. I got a doctorate. 4.5% of the U.S. population has a doctorate. It's not easy. Um, it took two years. And my physician friends will tell me I have a surgeon who told me it was easier to learn surgery. <laughs> um, so it's complex. It's uh, many providers don't take insurance. So there's, there's parts of it. And then there's still a doubt, right? If your physician, your pediatrician in particular is recommending meds, that's where you're going to go, right? So the American Academy of Pediatrics, which certifies you know, certified and board of pediatrics, uh, pediatricians rates this the same efficacy as, as uh, psychostimulants, level one intervention since 2012. So for nine years, now, why isn't that information given to every parent? Because parents might make a different decision. So I think it's a complex issue. I think we need to do that, you know, do more, you know, that's why I get out and talk about things. I think, I think, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that, you know, you have to take care of your health and um, there are natural things that you can do that are really effective, yeah. right? So um, even, even the research about COVID, you know, with vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc, um, you know, every, all my physician friends are like, they're like, we're taking it for mm -hmm. ourselves, you know, um, I saw my, one of my doctors yesterday and he, he started the vaccine process and I was like, Hey, doctor, such and such, are you taking glutathione with vitamin C? And he was like, no, he wrote down, he was like, give me the name. I'm going to start taking it. You know, I was like, it mitigates the vaccine effects. Um, so, you know, people are more open yeah. and, you know, I think what, why is neurofeedback not more popular? It's just not known. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, but the research, tens of thousands of research studies, 3000 peer reviewed studies, um, there's a lot more. And then when it comes to more, um, specific types of psychotherapy, like, um, EFT or EMDR or, um, ERP, which is for OCD, there's not as many people who are trained in those high specialty areas, which can be really helpful. They're all things that really help to regulate the nervous system um, so that people can take action differently. Yeah. And I will say, pulling it back to the pandemic, I think yeah. that I, when you talk about the nervous system, I feel like I've never been so aware of my nervous system as this past year and just what felt good and what didn't feel great. And I'm, I wouldn't have wished for it. Right. But like, it helped me kind of like, Oh, my nervous system does not like that. It like was yeah. speaking to me very loudly, you know? 
And, and what an important lesson that is, you know, um, in my book for therapists, teletherapy toolkit, um, it has a somatic experiencing um, focus, right? So somatic experiencing Peter Levine, amazing, amazing guru, you know, developed this whole therapy about, you know, connecting the body and understanding sensations, right? So what's happening is people are home and they've had to be quiet and they're like, oh, all of a sudden I feel like I'm breathing out of my chest and I used to breathe out of my stomach. I'm feeling kind of stressed. And so we're getting way more connected to these sensations, which may be really uncomfortable, but now we got nothing but time to work on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am a huge believer of teaching kids about, you know, what their body is telling them because you will never, when you're that grounded and self-aware, you are not going to run into the same kind of problems in life that somebody who isn't self-aware. You're just not. You can have self-confidence. The research says you're more self-confident. Um, you are a better leader because you're more, you have greater empathy. You know, when you're self-aware, it means that you're not self-centered. You're more aware of, of your impact on others in your impact on the environment and the interplay between you and everybody else. Um, and you are pe- the, you know, people with more self-awareness, which starts with body awareness. Um, you are, you know, much, much happier. The research says you're happier and just overall greater sense of well-being. So I hope as uncomfortable as people are, they're trying to find ways to cope and learn how to regulate their nervous system, which, you know, doesn't have to be a big, huge deal. You can take 10 minutes a day and do breath work or yoga or biofeedback, which is very accessible and easy. Um, There's lots of things to do. Like, what are you doing in the, you know, you find yourself stressed or what are you doing, Megan? I have found myself walking quite a bit and I've never really been a walker. I kind of was always a, I'm going to run. What's the point of walking if you can run? Well, and parenthetically, my knees do not like running anymore. Um, but I've been walking and listening to books, which is really nice. Um, so just that, that physical outlet is important for me and just the noticing like, Oh, my nervous system got lit up by something like, let me play back that tape and see what happened that got me kind of all fired up and, and what, how can I shift that? Yeah. So important too. Right. And especially when we're trying to model that, you know, for, for our kids, Mm -hmm. you know, when something disrupts you, it's okay to say like, holy moly, you know? Yes. What just happened? Like my, I said to you before we started, my car broke down yesterday on the highway and I hadn't broke down in like 20 years, you know, and I could see my 10 year old getting, getting nervous. And I was like, here's what's happening, John Carlo. We're getting off the highway. I'm going to park near Panera so we can get hot chocolate. He was like, that's a good idea, mom. It's like, don't worry about it. We got it. And you lift up your mug that says it's going to be okay. (laughs) Okay. But he's that kind of kid. He needs to know. I need to paint the picture for him of what's going to happen. And then he's okay. Now I could have freaked out. I could have been like, darn it. I have Mm -hmm. to do this. I have to do that. I was like, Hey, I got, you know, whatever. And, um, and then his dad came and we absolutely did hysterical shenanigans while we waited for the pickup for the tow truck that never came, Mm. but it, you know, we made light of a, of a stressful situation. It was actually probably one of the best parts of my day yesterday. It was so fun. So, um, 
you know, not that you should make every stressful situation fun, but I, I really was like, this is pretty good, you yeah. know, and I got to have a great cup of tea from Panera. Yeah. Good. I will tell you about one resource I have from my podcasting, um, Kirk, what's his last name? Martin. Um, he does this, um, podcast called celebrate calm. And it's, it, it just seems to be very handy. He started it for kids with ADHD and it seems like it could be very hand in hand where it's like the more you can have celebrate the calm within yourself that trickles to everyone else. Um, so anyway, I think it does, you know, um, you know, one of our, uh, we like to really have like family traditions in our house and, um, like, you know, what's our family motto and the Hodges like to have fun. That's what we like to do. There's been stressful things in our lives, including having a kid with pans and, and Lyme disease. And so we really try a good time literally in the moment of whenever we can, we like to have a crack up and a laugh. And, and thankfully our kids are like, got a good sense of humor. And um, like my teenager is like, you know, I leave the light on in the garage just to really stick it to dad and cause them, you know, they have this little shtick back and forth. And I was like, good for you, Max, you know? <laughs> and, and I was like, thanks for telling me that, you know, cause now I ran on the joke. Now I'm in on the joke and we just do all kinds of stuff or whatever. And, you know, like yesterday, Max came down, uh, he, my husband said, Hey, you know, there's, if you want another piece of pizza. So, you know, he like literally took the whole pizza, you know? So my husband's like, I only had like a quarter of a piece, you know? And I was like, well, you tell a teenager, you can have whatever's left. Oh yeah. You got to lock that stuff down, you know? So they had like a good laugh about it. Nobody, you know, that we try not, that's not you know, unless safety's involved, we're not going to get upset, you know, but absolutely laughter is so good for you. And to try to highlight that and, and also to show your kids, like everybody is so stressed out right now, Megan, like Mm -hmm. I have never in my life had so many people freak out on me in, even in my personal life in 2020. Um, I coined re-entry panic syndrome because I had employees freaking out to, after saying, Hey, you got to come back to work, like mm. freaking out. So then I was like, wow, people are really struggling with re-entering the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I just think that yes, sometimes these things are so valid that there's a lot of tension, but I also think we have to learn how to cope. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is a lesson that we were a society before the pandemic that wasn't coping. Yeah. Um, and wanted everything yesterday was easily irritated. And, you know, um, it's, if you find yourself feeling irritated right now, I want to validate that, but I also want to say, give you a kick in the butt and tell you do something about it. Right. Cause the rest of us don't want it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not healthy for you and guilt you into it's bad role modeling for your kids and your employer probably doesn't like it either. Mm-hmm. and your spouse or whoever else is in your life. Right. So it's about taking care of yourself and honoring yourself really. Right. No, I think that 2020 was definitely a lesson for that. Yeah, for sure. If people wanted to work with you or wanted to learn more about your program, where would they best find information about you? Yeah. So, um, and, you know, we work with people, you know, still in person in our center in Ridgefield, Connecticut, but we also work with people virtually and we have a wait list 
for our virtual program, the Get Unstuck program, where I walk you through, um, you know, the eight pillars that we'll be talking about in our, in our It's Going to Be Okay. And we also do virtual neurofeedback with people. Um, but you can go to drrosanne.com. But I have an awesome um, giveaway for anybody who wants it. It is um, over 100 coping statements. And it's for kids. It's for parents. It's for people to use on their own. And you can go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com. Um, and if you're a professional, you can find my book, Teletherapy Toolkit, on Amazon. Um, and you also can find me on YouTube. Just go to Dr. Roseanne. I do two videos a week about mental health, just trying to, you know, give people information so that they can support their children's mental health. That's awesome. Yeah. What, um, as a practitioner, what do you guys ever do trainings on neurofeedback or how, if you're a practitioner listening, because I know I have yeah. a therapist people listening. Yeah. And as I hear you talk, I'm like, oh, I better put some of these things. I mean, I, it sounds like it's comprehensive and I don't expect to replicate what you do, but where would I learn more? Yeah. Well, I'm actually practice? on the board and have been for seven years of a wonderful nonprofit called Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Um, and, and depending on when you're, this is airing, you can see it live or you can uh, buy the replays. Um, but in the third week of January, we have an amazing conference. It's low cost and Bessel van der Kolk will be speaking. I'll be speaking about neurofeedback. Um, so you can learn more on how to do training. I do do APA CE sponsored trainings because I have a company that, that does trainings. Um, and right now we only have the teletherapy training available. You can, you can go on to drrosanne.com and find out that information. Um, but uh, if you want to learn more about being uh, certification and learning as a practitioner about biofeedback or neurofeedback and biofeedback has devices that are more accessible and easier to learn. Um, heart math is one device that I highly recommend for practitioners as well as parents. Um, it's inexpensive and it teaches you to regulate your heart rate with your breath, which guess what makes you feel really good and makes you more focused, uh, which is such an issue right now for kids learning from home and us adults working from home. But uh, you also can go, you can find a certified neurofeedback provider on bcia.org. Um, you know, there's lots of places to be able to, to do that training and get more information. Awesome. Yeah. So the last question I tend to ask people is this one, but then I have a bonus question for you just sure. for my own curiosity. Um, my last question is just what is your touchstone practice that you kind of do? Like you asked me actually earlier, yeah. what do you do to sort of keep yourself feeling healthy? And is there one yeah. thing that you sort of always return to? I, first of all, do something, multiple things every day for myself. I take really, really good care of myself. Um, so one, <laughs> I am a paleo eater and so I eat for, you know, nutrients I eat for brain health and it's a vitality diet, you know, um, it makes your skin look fantastic and your, your hair and all those other things. And, you know, your brain just works differently. So I eat really, really, really healthy. And I truly love that kind of food. I love, you know, protein and veggies and, and healthy fats get to have, av I had avocado today. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, I do biofeedback, neurofeedback, or 
or PEMF every day. I pretty much do PEMF every day. So it's, it's something that, um, it's based on frequency theory and it regulates your nervous system. And, you know, I do, I'm really conscientiously doing breath work. Um, I even felt in the middle of the pandemic, my breath getting out of sync. And I honestly could say that I hadn't felt that way in like 20 years. And what does that mean? It means that I noticed I was breathing out of my chest because during the pandemic, this is my, uh, Corona creative period, I did a lot of really cool things. Um, I wrote four books. I did a course. I just did like, don't ask. I did a lot of things. That actually is my question. How do you do all the stuff that you do? Because the, neurofeedback, that's neurofeedback amazing. and paleo diet. And huh. also I, you know, I, I have a, you know, I live a very authentic lifestyle. Like I don't do anything I don't love. Um, and I, only keep people that are like, you know, amazing in my life. Uh, and, you know, I think that's really helpful. I think the blessing of a child with special needs, especially one that's impulsive, um, is that pe- you repel people. And so it gives you a lot of clarity mm. <laughs> in life, like what's important, what's not, who's important, you know, um, you know, I'm not hanging out with anybody that isn't like full on loving me and my family, you know, um, because the Hodges are a package deal. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get to just hang out with me unless you're going to hang out with my family too. Mm -hmm. So I think just being, doing what I love, you know, being passionate about it. And, uh, I am really organized, Megan. You are, I can tell, I wish maybe, can you write maybe this afternoon, write a book about that? (laughs) I know they made me, (laughs) I'm in like a, a mastermind and, um, JJ Virgin is the head of it. If anybody knows JJ Virgin, anyway, she's really amazing. She's like the grand dame of wellness. Like she's one of the early, you know, people in wellness. She coined the term food insensitivity for Christ's sake. Anyway. So when they were like, you wrote four books, they were like, can you do a training for this, for everybody? I was like, oh yeah. You know, so of course I got the visual. I also am a visualizer. So I just see the end result and I spend time visualizing the end result and I work backwards. So I think it gets really easy to do things when you are only doing things you're passionate about. I really, really, really believe that. So when things feel like a drudgery, I'm like, hold on, this is not what I want to do. Right. Um, and so, you know, and it, and obviously you know, I have that ability to do that. I've been working a long time. And so I'm able to be like, okay, this works, this doesn't. But I do have to say my brain works at a completely different level after neurofeedback and a paleo diet. You Hmm. you literally are at a different level of consciousness. And whenever I work with executives, um, and even some of my moms, (laughs) uh, when I do peak performance training because, you know, this is done for not just clinical issues. Like all the major athletes do neurofeedback, the astronauts do neurofeedback before they go out into space. Um, you're just able to, you're thinking you, you improve the neural connections in your brain. So it's not that it's not like you're not improving the function over the structure with neurofeedback. You're more improving how everything works together. So instead of one highway, you're going to have 50. Mm. So, and that's, 
what happened to Einstein's brain. Einstein had a genetic defect that allowed him to have 400 times the amount of neural connections. So you're just able to process really quick. That's it. Wow. And it's funny because those two questions actually go hand in hand, right? It's like you're taking care of yourself and thus you're able to do more. You take care of yourself. You can do more. And, you know, nobody wants to slow down because like whenever I work with executives, I'm like, I know you're not going to want me to chill you out, but you need to chill out. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know, I know. But when you slow down and you give your brain a chance to reboot, it can give you so much more. It's like when you update your computer and you're like, why didn't I do that before? It was so slow. It's the same thing. You got to power down. And, you know, and it's so important for us and, and for our kids to have this too, because our kids are being led to believe they have to just do, 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 do without resting, you know, like, you know, for some people, the pandemic was, is brutal, especially if their kids are home. Um, and for other people, it's like, like my life, I would say, isn't really that different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's okay. We, we can do that. So um, I'm grateful for having things like a boat so that we felt like we were on vacation. I tell you that, you know, but lots of nature and lots of things like that. So, and my kids still like winter sports, thank God, you know, and getting out there, but you know, it's taking care of yourself. You take care of yourself and your brain will work better. If you have a clinical issue, it will improve. If you are looking to just make your brain be a lot faster, it will do that too. Fantastic. Well, I love this. I have learned so much and I'm excited. I took little notes for myself and I'll put them in the show notes, but I'm excited to learn more because I, I just, I had a sense, but I just, I feel like you are very good at explaining to those of us who don't know very much about it. Thank you. You know, I'm always trying. I think also the gift of working with kids is, is if you can explain something to a really young kid, you can tell, explain it to anybody, you know? Yeah. And I like, it's, it's a simple, I think sometimes people try to make it even more complicated. So people, totally. you know what I mean? Like, look what I know, totally. but I like that you're kind of like, okay, I do know a lot, but let me try and. I do know a lot, but I, I don't need tell. to tell everybody. Right. You, <laughs> you don't need to tell. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know. I know. I did write a 420 page book in 31 days. Just saying. That's intense. <laughs> I'm not recommending that people. I'm not recommending it, but oh. I felt passionate about it and I became obsessed. I can't wait to read it. Maybe you'll have to come back on and talk about that. Read it. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate it, Megan. A lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the family brain with Dr. Roseanne. I hope you enjoyed listening. I learned so much and I'm excited about learning more and continuing to learn more about neurofeedback. If you want to learn more about the family brain, check out family brain podcast on Instagram or Facebook, or you can check out our website, familybrainpodcast.com, where I have past episodes as well. If you would leave a rating or a review that helps other people find this show or share it with someone who you think might enjoy this topic. Thanks so much for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.